0: Oh, this is so boring. What else is on? Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of Hope Makes Chris Watched Cartoons, an animation podcast for a Geeky Girl Experience. I'm Hope Ball and I make my friend Chris Honeywell watch my favorite animated shows. In this episode, with their summer in Gravity Falls threatening to come to an end, Maple and Dipper decide to take on Gideon and win back their home. We're talking about Gravity Falls Season 1 finale, Gideon Rises This Week. How you doing, Chris? You've made it through one season of Gravity Falls.
1: Didn't take long. It didn't seem like it took long.
0: It feels like it just flew by, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It really does. Unlike, you unlike, you know, when we were watching this for real and it took, like, two years to get to season one. The crazy thing about this, because I know we're we'll eventually talking about the end, is between this and the airing of season two was a year and two days. It, and the fandom went insane yeah. that year. Yeah, yeah. But, well, for the first time,
1: you had stuff that, like, from one one episode to. I mean, I'm sure everybody watching the show is looking forward to new episodes. But geez, you know, when it was just Monster of the Week, it's like okay, they haven't had a new episode, but you don't have anything hanging like on this one.
0: There's so much to it as well because there was also shorts released. Uh, there are 17 shorts came out between this and season two, which we will talk about. We're, we'll talk about that in two, two, three episodes. A few weeks. Yeah, a couple weeks. We'll go through the shorts. So the shorts dropped some nuggets, too. And so then once we had all the nuggets of the shorts and then some of the stuff and one thing that was also released. All them
1: shorts nuggets?
0: Yeah. And then what was also released um, after this episode, Alex Hirsch, do not go to this website, Chris. Um, Alex Hirsch released a website called, um, oh, what was it called? So it, it, he, he released some website. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. Um, search for theblindeye.com, and he would just randomly, like, not even like on a schedule. He would just randomly drop uh, ciphers, and sometimes you would get like four days in a row, and then you wouldn't get any for like three months. And this website ran until the show ended. So like there there's a lot of stuff. Um, I'm not gonna be. I was looking at the website and it's like four years worth of ciphers. Right. <laughs> so there's a lot there, and some of them are are just fun, just that don't really have anything to do with anything. It's just like be like you know Bill likes to wear black hats opposed to dark gray hats. Like you know some of this just like doesn't have any like consequences or anything. But then there's some like meaty stuff in there too. So he did do like little things to kind of keep the fandom um busy between the year hiatus um and then there's also the fun thing of during this year time fans figured out a big thing so he purposely created fake leaks released them anonymously on reddit so then fans were like look at these fake leaks and it just threw everybody off and then after the reveal of what the fans had originally guessed came out, he revealed that he created those leaks to throw everybody off. It was a year. It was a hell of a year. <laughs> I remember this year very clearly, Gravity Falls between this episode and season two. <laughs>
1: it's just so funny, because growing up, I've always been interested in weird conspiracy theories and stuff like that and, and all that. It's always been a fringe, you know, considered a fringe sort of interest. So, and now it's just it's people have picked up for better and worse. <laughs> but it's the internet. It's got it's got to be the internet that the, the the messing with people. It's like we have secret codes. Here's some fake secret codes. That the real people are making to throw up a smoke screen. You know, it's there. There was this uh, wave of people starting just before the internet when people wanted the internet but they didn't know how to do it so they were doing it through the mail and stuff of people who would start these stories that people other people could research that would look like this crazy conspiracy i tried to think of what the it's like mmpr rpg but it, you know it's turned into like role-playing games now solve a mystery game but it's just fun with the children now nowadays a children's show is uh Although I'm sure there was a, a fair amount of adults <laughs> on those uh, clues. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. When
0: it, when this was running, I was in my mid-20s. And yeah, yeah, I was yeah. in all the, the forms and stuff following along with all this, too. And, and there there were definitely, like, a lot of... The teenagers and, like, 20-year-olds of that time, of course, are now my age or a little bit younger now. But, like, we were, like, teaching kids. Not me, because I'm terrible at the stuff. But I remember, like, people, wa- like, writing, like like, 20, 30-year-olds writing whole walkthroughs about how to use ciphers for younger audiences. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. like, parents were writing them back. They're like, thank you for, like, writing these walkthroughs because I can do these with my kids and they can figure out the stuff of the show. And, like, it it was a thing. And, like, we're still seeing it. Like, Owl House does it, too, but it does not do it at, to so far. Let me rephrase this. So far in season one, Owl House doesn't do the secret codes to the same extent that Gravity Falls did. But it is kind of cool that they do it because the show does have Gravity Falls roots. So, like, so we still do see it like pop up here and there too.
1: It reminds yeah. me of old comic books, old kids' comic books. Always had like a fun and games page where it's like crack the secret code or. or I just you know. like
0: flashed to a Christmas story where Ralphie's like, drink your Ovaltine. <laughs> exactly,
1: <What>? exactly.
0: <laughs> secret message. She's trying to tell me something. Drink your Ovaltine. Ah. <laughs>
1: Well, did you like this episode? Yeah, I like this episode a lot. I actually like this episode better as a story episode than the last one. Although the last one was cooler and had like a little more of a mind-blowing element to it. This one has more of a, you know, just sort of the story structure to it. It just it's it's paced really well.
0: Yeah, yeah, they. Every time I go back, I'm always surprised like how much they cram in, and still having those emotional beats as well. Like like Stan realizing he's in he's in Abuelita's kitchen and just like I can't take care of these kids. Like it still has that like emotional resonance resonance to it as well. Like it's really really good. All right, you ready to get into this one? I am. <clears throat> Gideon Rises is the 20th episode of Gravity Falls, and it aired on August 2nd, 2013. It was written by Michael Rianda, Matt Chapman, and Alex Hirsch. The directors were John Yoshima and Joe Pitt. And the storyboard artists were Josu Cervantes, Eric Fountain, and Alonzo Ramirez-Ramos. Some extra information for you. The voice of Abulita is series writer Matt Chapman. And I also found out while I was researching this... Matt Chapman is also the creator of the Flash cartoons Homestar Runner with his brother Mike. They are the brothers' chap. And I was just like, Oh my god. Homestar runner and was like my high school. <laughs> I remember like screaming, Trogdoor! When I like with my friends in high school, and I just remember my poor teachers just being like, What the fuck is a door?" <laughs> But it was a thing. That was my high school. So, kudos to that. And I just wanted to see if you caught this, Chris. The time traveler, Blendon Blandon can be seen in the background of this episode.
1: No, I totally missed him. Totally so, missed him.
0: So, when uh, Stan pulls in at the end, and he's just like, wait a minute! And he, like, hits the cop car and then, like, pulls into a stop. Right before he hits this to- cop car, Blendon's behind the cop car and he walks off screen. But it's, like, right at the end of the episode. So, And I, I will say... I've seen the show millions of times, and I watched this episode so many times. I still don't know why Blunden's here. Like, that—that that is, like, I, I don't know why Blunden's in this episode. I don't know why he witnessed this moment of all moments. Um, I still don't know why. And I would love to ask Alex Hirsch Alex that one day, because I don't know why Blunden's in this episode. <laughs> As always, Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons is broken into several parts. Part one will be the stories, themes, and characters. Part two, we will read from the journal. Part three will be Chris's speculation and theories corner. And part four will be the ciphers and connections to previous episodes. And we are doing this week a little bit differently. Because I know all Chris is going to want to do is talk about the ending first. So I'm going to make him wait. And we're going to go through this episode chronologically. And go through uh, our I'll notes. Have
1: one, one note on the ending, Hope. Only one note. Really? Yeah.
0: I thought you'd... Like, I, mean, I, I, have,
1: I, I mean, it's not like I'm going to not talk about it more than that one note, you know. It's not yeah. like I'm going to branch off that one note. But yeah, I only have really like one note. Technically, I have two notes, so yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well. Well, I'll be clear by the end of the episode.
0: So what Jimmy? your jams in your favorite part?
1: Mabel feeding her head squirrel. Most people would like bat the squirrel off. She gives it a nut. I love squirrels, so the squirrel bath was always is always, uh, and of course there's a squirrel named Chris in this, <laughs> specifically named, and he gets to take five because Chris is one of the best workers there.
0: He's the best squirrel of the bunch.
1: I have four this time. Oh, I I'm like kidding. the way Gideon Gideon has the books and he lays them down, and you see he has OCD of some sort <laughs> because he has to switch the books around. <laughs> so, so they're in the proper order. And of course, Owl Trowel.
0: Owl Trowl that's one of mine.
1: It reminds <laughs> me of a uh um Dead Milkmen song called smoking Banana Peels. It starts out with a voice going, Burrow Owl, burrow owl, but I just hear owl trowel, owl trowel. Is <laughs> that all
0: your things?
1: That's it. That's all I got for favorites. Although that was four things. That's a pretty good uh that was
0: pretty good. favorite list. Um, owl trail is one of my favorite things because it just comes out of nowhere and it's just the ridiculousness of envro commercials and even Stan it, should recognizes- been, it should
1: have been owl trials by the maker of the eel barrow. oh my god <laughs> see i'm born to do that that shit man i'm born to write that stuff
0: Eel barrel.
1: <laughs> eel barrel by the makers of the I'm just imagining, makers of the eel barrel
0: I'm trying to imagine it like are the eels the wheels or is it a wheelbarrow for your eels or it's is
1: barrel it a wheelbarrow to carry, carry eels in
0: because I was also imagining eels it like has wheels. high
1: sides so they can't wriggle out and funnels them all out the front safely it also has a a filtered water drain at the bottom so you could carry your eels in water and then drain the water and then just sluice them out the front.
0: Oh my god, this is brilliant. <laughs> I love it! And my other favorite part, and this is one of my favorite lines, and I'll talk about it more when we get to the end. I love Stan's final line, looking up and just going, here we go. And I will talk about that line more when we get there to the end, because... I love that moment so much. So we open at Abuelita's house. What are your thoughts about Abuelita?
1: I knew it instantly was a, a guy doing a old Spanish woman voice. It's like uh, it's like somebody's doing a variation of um, Family Guy. The housekeeping, housekeeping, I go now. It, sort of, sort of voice.
0: You know about that cuz
1: it's a little I, bit yeah <laughs> it's I, a little bit iffy but
0: I I like Apolita as a character we we do get more of her in in season 2 and and I like her character but it's always just never sat right with me that she's very much a caricature and she's voiced by a white guy and I mean for sure that would not fly today but it also shouldn't have never flown in 2013
1: Well <laughs> so. I think she is a caricature but I think like underlying all of it is, uh, and this is something that like reminds me of country living is there was like Se- Seuss's house. at like Seuss is kind of like a man boy, and you can tell he's, he's, his 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 man boyness is sort of allowed. But you know he's hanging out with his grandma in his underwear, just eating candy and and playing with his cards, and she cleans up after him. You know, sort of thing. You, you pick up just a lot about the dynamic of his house, which isn't the great, healthiest dynamic, but it's a real dynamic that. And but you also
0: a, can see how much she loves her because the walls are just oh, plastered with Zeus.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, of course she dotes on him. She probably like, and that's probably why he's large too. She probably makes great food and is just like, eat now. Here you eat now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's They're, they're, they're very deaf. At giving you just like the most caricatured portrayal of a whole, of a family dynamic that like says a lot in it. They thought they think a lot about the the family dynamics there. Yeah, because
0: you know? like on this on the surface like it could be just played off as all all these jokes, but you can definitely see that Abuelita really loves like. She and they're poor. Three- you can
1: also tell they're poor by the decor in the house, you know. it's. But she it's,
0: also, like, opened her door to three people because they're three people that Seuss really cares about.
1: Oh, she does it. Well, she does it automatically. Like, Seuss could Seuss could just move half the neighborhood in there and she would be like, okay, I'll go make dinner. And that's, that's a, I mean, I knew people like that who used to, we'd be playing in the neighborhood and they'd be just like, come on, we're going back to my house and and and, the, and like grandma would be there and just be like poom just in the kitchen like what two three four five eight kids and and was a well the kind of person who lived to do that you know she was really into it
0: mm-hmm.
1: my friend chuck's mom was like that and it's usually people who are poor too <laughs> I, I have no money. my my friend chuck's like people mom who are be...
0: poor know like the value of taking care of people and taking care each of other. other
1: people yeah and like
0: you know rich assholes Right, like, right.
1: That Just take it for granted that anybody can just go, well, what do you mean? They can it, just go it, get some dinner at, at a restaurant.
0: And just support all their money. I, I hate very few people, but I would actually actively take a baseball bat to Jeff Bezos.
1: <laughs> oh, boy.
0: Actively. like I would be like, yes, let me destroy your life, son. <laughs> On the I don't know, game, man. Right? Hope, but, yeah, like Bezos. Do
1: some training. Jeff Bezos looks like he could probably take care of himself. He's probably been artificially augmented too. Oh, you wouldn't see the You would just show up with probably. the bat and he'd just be like <laughs> <You
0: wouldn't see laughs> But he would
1: look at you and it would scan your face and he would be like Hope Molinax. <laughs> you are Hope Here's Malinax. all your
0: life things. Here's you your had web browser operation
1: history. on your knee.
0: <laughs> Let me look at your web browser history. Here's ads for Amazon about your web browser history.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know all your weaknesses <laughs> Giant tentacle holograms come down from the ceiling.
0: Fun. I, I also like how
1: <laughs> with with Grande descending.
0: <laughs> Grande and his bando come out of the ceiling and say like, hello, Hope. We are I am Thrawn and I am Grand Inquisitor. Come love Star Wars with us.
1: <laughs> we are here to take you to Star Wars. <laughs>
0: Only like they'd be malfunctioned, so they'd be like Star k- k- Wars, and I'd be War like Star Wars, War Wars.
1: <laughs> Which Star Wars prequel trilogy, or original trilogy? Error,
0: error. <laughs> I'd be like, I would like to go to the Clone Wars movie, and they're like, this is not a Star Wars movie. I'd be like, yeah, right, suck as it is. <laughs> That's how I would win. I would outsmart the bot.
1: So. Does not compute. <laughs>
0: But I I do like how it's also kind of like their situation of being in Abolita's house um, and seeing like the conditions and like watching the life that's happening there. That's like the moment where Stan's like, we gotta do something. We gotta get our house back. Especially, you know, that that moment also feels like it's a lot too because we know that Stan has, you know, the thing in the basement. So he does have a lot of reason to want to get the shack back.
1: Which we've learned is the most important thing ever <laughs> in the in the last episode.
0: And and so we then we then go to the next day at the Mystery Shack, and Gideon is having his big grand closing of the shack. Um, I like this little scene and all the townspeople are there. What, what what were your thoughts on this scene?
1: Oh, it's great because it's pure mustache twirling. Everything with I mean, they just turn up the like. Let's really get you to hate Gideon, and a lot of that is the the town fawning over him. You know, they they just they they take all the elements of the dramatic turnaround and mm-hmm. play it for all it's worth.
0: Something that the way like Gideon delivers this one particular line, it's the most southern thing ever, and I've heard this actively living in Georgia, where he's just like, "Y'all don't come back now. I don't much care for you." Yeah, and I was like, that is. That is so close to bless your heart. <laughs> it's so close. If he would have said in like, bless your heart, don't come back. I'd have been like, yep. There
1: I was starting to doubt Gideon's age in this. I was just starting to think in this like... And then I was like, oh, no, that's right. He's supposed to be about Mabel's age because he tried to date her. But I was just uh, like... the the. Just little things in 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 here with him, I, and I was just like, "Is Gideon supposed to be just like a stunted like thirty year
0: old guy or I think he's Actually, a couple years younger. I think he's I think he's eleven in the yeah. series.
1: But it's just like that because because they just turn up the evil on him and that that like his and they make him more intelligent because he's more hateable. The more like agency and <laughs> intelligence he's given on being bad and also like also no you know well that comes later in the story i see i'm jumping ahead
0: according to the gravity falls wiki he's 10 okay the pines twins are 12 so he is a couple years younger than them
1: he kind of reminds me that his delivery especially that last line reminds me of this uh well he's a musician but he was also an actor named uh hoyt and hoyt Axton had a big big old baby baby face, blue bear face when he was an adult, but probably was like, like if you shrunk him down, he probably would have been very giddy and like, and he had that just sort of, just sort of friendly, friendly Southern drawl way of talking.
0: I like there's disguises when they sneak in. And I like that Seuss is, says not Seuss at the top on his hat. And he but, has a beard paint. Uh, it's taped onto his chin. But why
1: actually though, you know what's funny is at first glance I was like those are decent disguises.
0: <laughs> Especially Mabel's. Mabel looks Mabel's looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we see that Waddles has been dressed up as Little Gideon Jr., but what made that scene is like it immediately upsets Mabel and Stan is ready to throw down for that pig.
1: <laughs> yeah, he breaks character for the pig. Yeah. Well that's that's the thing is when you see yeah, when you see how the pigs being treated by Gideon too, that also is just ratchets it up, ratchets up the hatred.
0: Oh, because it's waddles and we love yeah. waddles. <laughs> and I, I do like that they addressed something that you noted last week. Because last week you're like, I don't know how legal it is for him to get the deed, and then you followed up with, but the cops of this town aren't very smart. And at least
1: Gideon, <laughs> <And> try- <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, somebody at the story meeting had that same conversation.
0: Um, and and then we moved on to uh, But then that
1: also established that like oh well whoever it's like a video game now or capture the flag whoever has a deed has the place now so you know all that now all they have to do is get the deed they don't have to go through any legal entanglements to get their place back
0: yeah 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 um and then so they get kicked out and we have that scene where wendy comes up and we we see find out that seuss knows about dipper's crush which is you know obvious um, and I like that moment where he he saves it, but not really. And I, and I, Wendy's
1: I, I, Wendy's totally totally cool about like Wendy Wendy like totally gives Dipper like a pass on it and is just like doo dum doo dum, dum I'll just pretend I didn't hear it and go go along about business. So it was like. <laughs> And that I was, like, the perfect reaction, actually.
0: And I think that says a lot about her character, too. Because, like, she wouldn't want to, she's friends with Dipper, and she doesn't want to, like, embarrass him or anything. And I, I, that's one of my moments where I really like Wendy, because how, how does she not know?
1: <laughs> no, well, she's a little older, and she's like, well, of course he has a crush on me
0: i know but but she's
1: not gonna like lord it over him or whatever she's just gonna she's just gonna write it out you know as long as she has to before like dipper's like will you go to the prom with me or whatever
0: yeah and and i I think that's such a good thing about her character although
1: although there's no summer prom but they'll have like summer some end of summer dance or something like that
0: and then robbie comes out very desperate from their breakup I love Robbie in this scene too. Just the my arms are too skinny to keep holding up this boombox forever. Did you get yeah. my text? Do I need to send you more texts?
1: Well, it's a, and it's like the reference to I can't remember which eighty. Say anything. That's right. The one of the like three or four eighties teen romance movies that I did not see of the you know standard the the big brat pack movies. I don't. I didn't see Saint Elmo's Fire either. But uh, that, you know that's John Cusack holding up his boombox outside her bedroom window. I think it worked in that movie though. And, and he also John Cusack was also dressed a lot like Robbie actually in that movie. Now that I think about it, with the like the long, what do they call? I keep wanting to say straight jacket <laughs> uh, trench coat, uh, like his, teacher. you know, like a long jacket trench coat like thing, and just like, dude, it's an '80s song. He should have played the song with the backwards masking on it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Something that kind of really interested me about Gravity Falls, going back and watching it now in the world of, like, smartphones and stuff like that, the show was just made just on the cups of technology changing. So it was right in that middle in between of, like, the old Nokia brick phones and the smartphones that we have of today. So you'll see, like, Wendy's, like, cell phone, and it's a flip-up cell phone. And then we see things like boombox and cassette tapes and CDs, and it's interesting because it's like right in that little middle, middle time period of like cassette of cassettes and Nokia brick phones and the smartphones and MP3s of today, and it has that like nice like little middle section there. And I, I always like that kind of um, I, gravity as well. I
1: always thought that stuff would not work after a while, but nowadays in the world that we live in, even if you are just used to having you know your iPhone or whatever. People are, you know, I mean, they still make records. People are, I mean, there was a time period where it's like, look, kids don't know what this cassette tape is, but everybody know, like, all that stuff is like kind of like retro culture now. So, people seeing it, it's not. It, I don't think it it throw it, it'll throw people out. At, like as the years go by, it'll throw people out of the story to see them with a flip phone and stuff and with cassettes in it. They'll. Every five or ten years, there'll probably be a resurgence of people using cassette players to be retro and stuff. Yeah, I just love the sound of tape hiss.
0: Yeah, and kids today, I'm like the kids of like old, where I record my thing off the radio, but well, only I'm recording it off of Spotify.
1: Uh, yeah, I remember recording Blondie's. Hit song that tied is high off the radio off Casey Kasem's top forty because I, I like this
0: song. I remember recording Backstreet Boys and nsync songs off the radio, so I do remember that too. And on one tape, there was one time, and it was a Backstreet Boys song, and it's the only time I ever heard this version. I think it was a DJ edit, not a radio edit, but like a DJ edit, and so the bridge had this completely different arrangement of music and it was awesome and it it was almost more rock than it was pop i still remember like it was i listened to that one version so many times that now when i hear the original backstreet boys song i'm just like there needs to be a rock vamping of guitars here (laughs) and it still messes me (laughs) up to this day um but yeah i remember doing that so then we go back to abilita's house and I want to talk about the scene where Stan is on the phone with Dipper and Mabel's parents. That actually might be one of my favorite Stan scenes of the entire series. For one, it's just very real. It's a very real moment. Well, in because this show. it
1: acknowledges the there's very little acknowledgement of Mabel and Dippers' life outside of that summer. You know, which is which is great because that is how it. Like if you if you ever went to campus a kid or went to like stay with cousins for the summer or something or, you know, did something where you went away for a little while in the summer, it's like going to a different world. Mm-hmm. And so there isn't a lot of talk about like oh, I wish we could go get Sludgy's pizza like we used to and see the clown there or anything. Or like, remember how mom and dad, you know, nothing about mom and dad. Because they're not like, you get the feeling that they're not there because like their parents are having marriage difficulties or getting a divorce or anything. So everything like is normal at home. So they just forget about it. You don't really think about them in that context. And then you realize like, oh, Stan's talking to his brother brother and or sister you know which however he's related to to him as an uncle and that's just really weird
0: and there's also just like the moment where stan realizes that he can't take care of them at this moment and to kind of jump to a little bit later it shows how much stan has grown as a person as well he's grown over the course of the season and he, like, you know, he's going to put these kids first. He's homeless, he's jobless, he's going to take care of the kids before he takes care of himself. And it, it's, a big sh- it's, a, it's a big moment to show where how far his character has also come. And it, it, it's to me, like, in a show that's, like, so mystical and conspiracy and stuff like that, those very real moments of, like, tying and grounding in the real world, and you also see, like, Ablohita and how Asus lives, too, it hits a very different emotional way because it's very real in the middle of this, like, very fantastical show. And it makes it even more powerful.
1: <laughs> yeah, with, with scenes like that, the, the the amount of stuff they put in this, I was, like, thinking, like, how are they going to end this? I was like, are they going to end this with another up-in-the-air, downbeat ending? Because they're... We're, we're, like, halfway more than halfway through the episode, you know, and things... You know, I mean, that's how... It, dramatically you always do you keep things look dark until the very end but it really looked like they were winding up for a darker ending which could have made sense because it could have leaned more into the weirdness because you could have had the plot of now all of a sudden Gideon is opening portals or whatever they're doing over a creepy theme park and stuff like that
0: which is but, totally a bash on Disney, even down to the font. <laughs> I was like, "Kudos, to Alex Hirsch for continuing to bash Disney on a Disney show." <laughs> he is the John Oliver to HBO of Disney. Like John <laughs> Oliver is constantly, not, not even really HBO, but like AT and T that now owns HBO. He's constantly ripping AT and T apart. Dave on Letterman his own used network. to do
1: that too. And, with- his parent company
0: <laughs> i'm sorry
1: david letterman used to do that oh, yeah. too with i i think I'm, I'm trying to think of who it was who who bought out nbc at that time but he was ruthless
0: but yeah on that point i i actually there was a moment i, I remember the very first time i watched this episode and to, to get ahead a little bit like but when the kids got on the bus i actually really did have a moment of This is the finale. I don't know what season two is going to bring. Like, maybe they do send them home. And I I did have the thought the first time I watched this episode, as you know, because I was watching it with commercial breaks. So I remember sitting there in a commercial going, is season two going to be the next summer and everything's different?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because like even the lighting when they get on the bus, it's sort of like sunset. It really it really has all the visual and dramatic cues of winding up. Yeah, and I mean this in the best way. It was a very manipulative. It was probably the most manipulative episode that they've done yet, which is good uh, to do it as a season finale.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: and I love when
0: and it it makes very real world stakes as well.
1: Like well, we yeah, see
0: candy works. and we see candy and Grinda there, and they're upset. Like it's it's very real world stakes.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's and I just another. I love the name Speedy Beaver for the bus line.
0: <laughs> that's, that's their
1: ver- That's their version of a greyhound
0: but yeah I just wanted to say I have the next would be the scene where Gideon is telling his father about the journals and the fires there and all I just have in big letters is poor waddles
1: <laughs> oh my god
0: just to see waddles so talk about
1: manipulation upset. that's what you do is you take a helpless a- animal and terrorize it and make it s- sit in the corner and put its little little cute little little front paws over its eyes and, and just huddle there shaking.
0: The, the only thing that that makes me, like, come out of that scene a little bit is I just can't see Mabel leaving Waddles behind. But, so that that's the only thing that, like, th- they did it to show how bad Gideon is, but on the flip side, I don't see Mabel li- leaving him behind. But that w- that was more of a point where, like, they were driving Gideon's story instead of Mabel's story in that moment. So like, th- that's fine. I understand why they did it. But uh, even still to this day, I'm just like, why didn't she take Waddles with her? <laughs> because she would have. Um, but that's just the tiniest, tiniest of grunts. They
1: sort of got chased off. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's true. It could have been a thing like when the wrecking ball and the dynamite like blew up the house. Yeah. Maybe Waddles ran in head and they couldn't find him. That yeah. could have been a whole thing, too. Yeah. They do live in the woods. All right, Chris, your gnomes are back.
1: I love that the gnomes, the defining characteristics of the gnomes are that they're horny, creepy, and kinky. (laughs) They're
0: they're so gross.
1: And that's what, that's, I I mean, it's just such a weird, inappropriate adult humor to have in a kid's show. And they're also like, hey, we know a cute girl named Gideon. (laughs) You know, it's just creepy as hell but it's hilarious and yeah and i knew it she and that i i figured they would go back to some of their earlier adventures because now they know how to they they either are friends with or know how to manipulate the the people they've met in the past and,
0: i also like that when he's just like smack get my cologne and the cologne is in an o with an umlaut and an M, so it says gnome.
1: <laughs> oh, jeez.
0: <laughs> yeah, he has gnome uh, cologne, but the O has an lock to make that oom um sound.
1: <laughs> I totally miss that.
0: Oh man, I thought you would be happy. I was like, there's so much in this. I'm like, Chris is getting his gnomes back. Chris predicted we'd be in the basement this week, and he's right. I'm like, the whole time I was just like, I, learned, I, I wish I was with you watching this episode to watch your face. <laughs> <laughs> the gnomes then go to Gideon's house to kick him out um, the mystery shack. I liked that scene, too. Just kind of like the visuals of, like, gnomes using other gnomes as arrows. We see them uh, running on, like, deer and stuff. And they have little pine cone spears. Um, I like a lot of the visuals of the gnomes uh, invading the mystery shack.
1: Yeah, anything with the gnomes. I love the gnomes when they run away and they just run like scared rabbits <laughs> on all fours. They just go pew and scurry back into the woods.
0: So then we uh, have Stan sticking the kids in the bus and they're on their way out. Um, this was my note about how far Stan has come um, and my fear of them actually ending it. Um, did you have anything about the scene? that scene? Or we pretty much already kind of covered it, didn't yeah. we? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So then Gideon discovers he's missing the journal number one and he goes and activates the Gideon bot. What are your thoughts of that scene?
1: You ever heard of this comic called Martha Washington Goes to War? It was a Frank Miller comic that he made in the 90s. And I it was,
0: have. It's been a while. I haven't a, read it, but I have heard of it. It's a satirical
1: future story, but it's a a young black girl who's ra- you know raised in the dystopian future ghettos where pretty much your only option to get out is to go into the sort of civilian military thing, and she makes her way up through the ranks, and she ends up like basically destroy. She basically ends up like becoming an outcat she uncovers corruption and hooks up with rebels and ends up pulling down the power strike but at the towards towards the end of the first series of comics that they did with her there's a big battle and like basically all the corporations are running everything and they have their own little armies and they had uh one of the armies was the big boy army and it was the, you know, the fast food, it was just basically to stand for all the fast food people and they ran
0: Central America
1: where all the cows were. And they had a giant TJ's Big Boy robot oh. that they used as their battle bot to like to enforce, you know, enforce people and like keep people away from their cows and stuff. And it basically was the Gideon bot. You know, the Gideon bot is also influenced by modern movies where they put the cgi suit on him and stuff and he just sort of runs in there but it's the same basic you know the 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 tj's big boy had a whole crew inside of it you know type of thing but it was the same sort of idea just a giant little porky man boy <laughs> making its way across the countryside so i i really liked seeing that i don't know if they'd read that comic and this was a tribute to it or it was just Uh, wonderful happenstance but (laughs) I finally got to see my giant TJ's big boy rampage and it was very well animated like
0: yeah you
1: know like I was like watching it and I'm like oh man he's doing some really hard stuff to animate like the the way he was climbing up the hill and stuff it was just really nice and doing the perspective from the inside and you know when they're spinning around inside and then you see his head spinning on the outside and Mabel in the hand, it very definitely covers all that stuff. It's a great giant, basically kaiju sort of fight. G- technically, giant robot, but
0: um, I, I love, that... love
1: giant robots. <laughs> they're not, they're not, they're not as good as talking dogs, but they're up there.
0: I I love that thing too. Like just the I I I still like the first time where like Gideon walks in the robot, and the animation is. Is so crisp, and I know it's not CGI, but it looks like it could be CGI. It's yeah. that kind of, it's it's so well animated yes. that it's, it ha-
1: it's he has heft and dimension to him.
0: Yeah, like it, you can tell like there's weight to the legs, it, and, and the music is great too. The music's almost that kind of like steampunk rock music because mm-hmm. it's a different kind of. We're now in we're in robots now. <laughs> there's robots, so it has that kind of like robot kind of take on the normal gravity falls music it's it's really good in the, just that moment where mcgucket's like i have a good feeling about that child
1: of course uh, like as soon as they were they were like are you almost done with that and i'm like oh his dad's down there who's it's got to be mcgucket because he made the giant sea serpent too so
0: i just love mcgucket he has terrible taste in character and he's just like that kid's gonna be fine
1: <laughs> that's when you knew he was gonna lose right there
0: yeah we got yeah, to yeah yeah weighed in but about Gideon's character in this episode because um, I, I like that Gideon Gideon's hubris and his own search for power is his actual downfall, which is a good way, yeah and, and yeah, we'll get to the Dipper fight in a second because also like Dipper has his great moment too. But Gideon is also very much his own source of downfall. like if he if he was just like, okay. I need to think this rationally. I need to get through this. But he's ten and he's on a power trip, and he gets in his robot and he goes. And I and I like that. I mean, his he thinks that he can't be beat, but he is actually the cause of his own failure, yep. um, with a little help from Dipper as well. And and he I, was, I like He was that so
1: close story. to having what he wanted, and he screwed it all up himself. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yep. I mean, or, he did, or he, at he, least
1: he, being in a position to get a, everything he wanted.
0: Yeah, because he didn't realize, you know, there's a whole other level to the mystery shack underneath.
1: There's several other levels.
0: Yeah, it goes down to
1: like level three.
0: Yeah, yeah. If he would have just been patient and just been like, okay, I will deal with them later. If he continued to build Gideon Land and had cleared off the mystery shack, he would have found a lot more. (laughs) Um, I love Suze as a bus driver.
1: Yeah, I like that. That was a nice throwaway joke earlier that paid off at the end and it's like, alright, he did say bus driver, but I just pictured a school bus more than anything.
0: And I just had that moment when he's looking at the emergency, emergency thing, he's like what is this situation close to? Raccoons or angry old ladies? <laughs> I love Cease as a bus driver. Alright, so let's talk about this big showdown with Gideon and the final fight on the bridge and all that and Dipper has a big moment and we get grappling hooks. Like, well, what was your your thoughts on this big showdown and fight with Gideon in the bot.
1: Oh, it was great. It was just nicely done. Very satisfying. That's what I'm saying. This is just a manipulative episode. It gives you a sort of, it takes you through the whole process, which can, if you don't pull it off, it comes off as being really trite and cheesy, but they did what the stuff that that's why we end up looking at this stuff because it's the more of the cream of the crop where it does succeed because They set themselves up to earn it. You can write this last episode, which is a completely by-the-books storyline. Just all the twists and turns are there, and it could be very trite. But then, you know, it has all the weird trappings of Gravity Falls attached to it. And, and it
0: also has all the work put into the season, the character-wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Every, everything's earned in it. So, like, by you know, a lot of people attempt to do this, do that before you even care about the characters. You know, there's some people who do shit like that in their first episode and stuff like that, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, everything is is earned in this. There's some. It's very much like watching the last epi- the last season of. Rebels and Clone Wars in quick succession. There's a lot of earned payoff being cashed in.
0: It it reminded me um, of the character work in Amphibia. And I know you haven't seen Amphibia. But the character Anne starts off the show very selfish and self-centered. And a, a little bit manipulative as well. But the entire first season is her journey of being a kinder more respectful person. And so when you get to the final episode of Amphibia, spoils for the final ep- uh, the, the the finale of season 1 of Amphibia, we run into her friend, uh I think her friend's name is Stacy. And Stacy has not gone through that journey and you can see how much Anne and Stacy are night and day and Anne used to be a lot like Stacy in a lot of ways. And so it sets up this like wonderful conflict between the two of them. Um, And I'm still working my way through Amphibia Season 2 and catching up. So I know there's been other stuff that's been happening. But, like, animation has been doing a really good job of making sure that there is the setup and the character development. So when you do get these big finale episodes, there's a lot of work and payoff that goes into it. And it it really is earned. Earned is the key word here. It's a very earned finale. My shallowest note is, I just, I think the Mystery Twins are so great. Um, Dipper has that moment where he, like protects Mabel from falling rocks and then when the Gideon bot picks up both of the, the twins there's a moment where they're both like grabbing at each other's hands and like fit, then clutch each other's fingers and they get ripped apart and I'm just like oh the mystery twins are trying to betwe- protect each other and I love them and and so to, to Mabel and Dipper in this one to the, these were my big Mabel and Dipper notes for Dipper this is a culmination of his journey all season. That moment where he jumps off the cliff, I was like, that is Dipper versus Manliness, when he was jumping cliffs with Manitar. You have him fighting back, just like Stan taught him in Dreamscaperers. And he has this like he he has this realization that cause cause Gideon early in the episode was like, You're nothing without your journal. And he's like, No, I am a hero. I'm smart. And we also see Mabel. Mabel is the one that is picking up Dipper in this one. She's the one that's constantly going, especially earlier on in the woods. She's like, you don't need the journal. Um, You can do this. And and she's the one that's picking him up. So it really shows that like he's the brain, she's the heart, and together they can beat a robot together. In the beginning,
1: she was even manipulating him a little bit to get where where she's just like don't worry basically she was like well it looks like it's up to me to get this one and that that sort of got him like going like well no maybe i can uh (laughs) Mm -hmm. do something too so yeah
0: yeah like they really worked so well in this episode and she's the one who's trying to, like, make him feel better when they're on the bus. And she's also the one that saves their lives, like, with the grappling hook. And I love that the grappling hook comes in at the end to save the day.
1: <laughs> that, it had to. It was Chekhov's grappling hook.
0: That was that was actually one of your predictions, I, th- I think, in the very first episode. You're like, we're going to see the grappling hook again. Because that's when she got it, and then she hasn't used it since this episode. <laughs> but, yeah, like, this was such good work for the twins up into this point of everything that they've gone through to the season to reach this point of Dipper being on his like pubo journey to finally come into his hero role. And then Mabel, who's kind of always been in the hero role, but as the heart, she's the heart character and being the one that's trying to hold everyone together. Like she's the one that's like trying to hold Seuss and Grunkle Stan and Dipper, like she is the glue and it all came it down to this episode, and it was just, it was a season's worth of work that was really well done. So, the Gideon bot explodes, and then Stan drives up and reveals that Gideon is a fraud. Thoughts on that scene?
1: Oh, I love it. Once again, Scooby-Doo ending where Stan's like, look, <laughs> all the TV screens, he's been spying on you through the pins and talking about payoffs this one had the most hilarious payoff so far laugh- s- made me laugh out loud
0: was it the sad get him
1: yes it was Yep,
0: yeah, yeah that's one of my favorite moments too just the-
1: they kept using him and then and then when you and then like finally it, the camera just pans over to him and it was great it was like an old ren and stimpy Where in one episode they had a horse on TV getting interviewed and they asked him, you know, what his opinion was and he thought about it and you go, No, sir, I don't like it. But then every once in a while in a Ren and Stimpy show, the camera would go over and the horse would be sitting there and you knew he wasn't gonna like it. (laughs) No, (laughs) sir, I don't like it.
0: I I have that noted too, where they're just like, Tyler, and it's He's just crying as he does it, and then they pull out the tiny handcuffs, like not the normal handcuffs. But they had to
1: wait for him to weigh in. They're like, okay, if Tyler's not gonna say get him, then yeah, that, yeah. yeah.
0: And I, the tiny handcuffs are cute. They're just
1: the cops have tiny handcuffs. I know. They must, it makes you think the cops might know about the gnomes and stuff.
0: <laughs> but my my note about that too is. You know, the people of Gravity Falls might not be the smartest people, but damn it, they love each other and they will protect each other. And then the moment that they realize that Gideon has been lying to them, the town bands together. Yeah, they they ain't smart people,
1: but they're decent people.
0: Yeah. And they they're the ones that take over. And then they recognize that the Pines are, you know, the Pines uh, twins and family like they're they're the heroes. And I like that moment where it's the town that brings down the retribution against Gideon and and take him in, which is a really good moment uh, for the townspeople as a whole.
1: They have to because he's they're, they're like basically his power, his ability to sucker the town. Mm-hmm. without the ter- town turning on him he's pretty much like set to do whatever he wants
0: mm-hmm. because he
1: has the law behind him
0: yeah I, li- I like how you phrase it they might not be the smartest people but they are decent people and that's true with really small town life like decent if you, country folk yeah if you mess with one of them you mess with all of them
1: the, 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 actually they could be terrible violent rednecks but like if you're in the town and like, there's trouble in the town, then everybody will band together from the best to the to the worst of them. But like, yeah, but Gravity Falls is, yeah, it's basically like, you know, basically they've only built Gideon as the really just terrible character in this. Everybody else has redeeming qualities.
0: Even hit Gideon's dad, like, yeah, Gideon's oh, dad dad's and his kind of mom, an asshole. have
1: sympathy for them at least. Actually, Gideon's dad and mom are now free. You know, they've actually been liberated now that I'm looking forward to seeing any kind of future unless like Gideon breaks out of jail right in the first episode of season two or something. But it would be interesting to see what their household is like without having, you know, to walk around eggshells. I mean, in this one, he comes in and just goes, get out. And his parents both go zoom out the door, you know.
0: It actually kind of reminds me a little bit of all things of the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, which has has a small town that's kind of set up in the same way as Gravity Falls. And there's a moment at the end, uh I can't remember the main character's name outside of Sonic, but the the main the main human character, he has a deputy. His deputy is kind of like not the brightest thing in the world, but my god, that, that deputy is the MP- MVP because when Robotnik is about to like take over That deputy comes out of nowhere, and he's like, you're not messing with our town! And all the townspeople come out, and they're like, get out of our town, Robotnik! We don't know what this blue hedgehog talking thing is, but we're gonna protect it, because you're in our town! So yeah, it reminds me of all the... Sorry for spoilers of the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. (laughs) (laughs) They came here for
1: Gravity Falls, they got spoiled for Sonic.
0: Sorry! It's, It's really fun. It's a fun... Jim Carrey is... So good in that movie. I am so happy they're doing a sequel.
1: You should go see it, and maybe you should just start drinking heavily now so you'll forget what the ending is now. Good work, Hope.
0: Yeah, yeah I know. I'm not very good. Hey, I, I have to work very hard not to spoil you in Groudy Falls. I have to spoil somebody on stuff.
1: <laughs> Hope, it's a it's a pandemic, and, and you're just taking money out of Jim Carrey's mouth.
0: I think Jim Carrey will be fine. <laughs> So then we have that scene where, you know, the Pines family are the heroes and everything's going good. And the kids sit down and they tell Stan about the journal. What did you think of that scene?
1: I I figured something like that was coming just by the, the, the way the story was going. And Stan, and and I was right, Stan's a sloffer, and Stan is, a, like, he does the same sloughing off as I was talking about when when Dipper was talking about all the magical creatures in the woods, and he even, he even worked it into this, like, retconned it by going, no wonder you believe in all that wacky stuff, and I was like, yeah, yeah, Stan totally knows what this book is and is just trying to downplay it, and he did a good job, too, because Mabel's just like, ah, I'll give it back to you in a couple of days, don't worry about it. He'll just just sit it on his desk and and whatever. But, like, yeah, the minute he did that, I'm like, oh, he's psyched to have that book.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I like that scene, too. And I like that scene, too, because it's a moment where the kids have just been like, okay, we've gone on all these crazy adventures. It's time that we trust Dan enough to bring him into this as well. And I think that's, it's a nice, hmm. How do I phrase this? Um, It's nice. I don't think I could phrase it any other way without giving away season two spoilers. Okay, good. It's nice. <laughs> I like it. All right, Chris. We got to the end. You know, it's nighttime and Stan puts in the codes. What was your initial reaction as soon as we started going down those stairs?
1: Oh, I was like, okay, we're going to at least. I, I knew he was going to march up to some sort of something and what, what he marched up to, a, a, like a computer and then like some sort of, you know, ceremony room, electronic ceremony room. I was like, OK, that that that's about it wasn't what I expected, but it wasn't out of the wheelhouse of the, the sort of thing I was expecting. It was a little bit like Halloween three season of the witch in some ways. With, with, like, a sort of, like, some sort of summoning process done with a combination of electronics.
0: And then he goes into, he, he starts the thing up, and then he runs into the room, and you see there's more.
1: <laughs> yeah, I thought he was, I, when he first put the books down and there was a screen in front of him. Did I you freak that... out
0: to see that he had journal number one this whole time?
1: No, I, fig- I, I figured that was a possibility because ha- there's one missing and Stan has a mysterious room. So it's like it, it was a strong possibility that that could be the thing. I thought when he pulled up this, when he put the books down and pulled up the screen, somebody was going to be like, ah, number one, five, nine, seven, four. You know, we haven't heard from you in 25 years. Do you have something? And you know, oh, yeah, I have. You know, I thought it was going to be something like that you've activated the code or whatever but no but there is definitely more than Stan involved because he says we at some point you know we've finally done it or or it implies several things which gets into my prediction
0: all right well' we'll, we'll save that for your prediction yeah I I, I was wondering because I was like oh, I, I hope this ending pays off for Chris because yeah I was I was very excited for you. <laughs>
1: Well, uh, I think it's either going to be like Stan is working for this isn't in my predictions, but you know, it, the 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 things that leads me to believe is either Stan works for an organization that's been trying to do something or when he says we like maybe he maybe he has maybe he has like a, a time portal and he needs to he wants to reunite when he says we, it might be an old girlfriend or, so, you know, his lost love or something. And he's like, now I can finally go back and save her life or something. It, there, there's there's a, a few implications to that, that it could possibly be. But he does say we. So he's so it's a a process. And I mean, I don't think Stan built that entire <laughs> structure underneath the some of it looks like it's been there for a long time they made sure that you saw pipes that were all cracked and old and rusty so yeah i love that stuff i want Mm -hmm. i want three levels beneath my house behind a vending machine so bad
0: (laughs) gosh i love i remember seeing that scene for the first time and just being like oh my god we're going down the stairs oh my god we're going on the elevator oh my god there's things Oh my god, things are turning on! Oh my god, things are happening! (laughs) Like, that last three minutes of the episode, like, still gives me chills to this day. And I just remember the sensation every time I watch it, just... And the music, oh, the music in that scene is so good. It's such a great score of that scene. I love that scene, but the the part I think I like most about it, and and I mentioned this in my favorite parts, and here's my explanation, I love that final line of Stan looking up, and do you know what the thing is? Did you happen to see a note I just deleted in the ciphers? No. Okay, because I deleted it, and I was like, maybe this is too much of a hint for you.
1: No, it's below what I've got on my screen, so I totally missed
0: it. Awesome. So I won't say it (laughs) because I want to see if you guess what it is. I did. There was a big old note there. And I was like, you know what? Chris hasn't said anything. Let me just strike this out. The notes right (laughs) past. I love that line where he looks up and he goes, here we go. And the reason I love that here we go final line is it feels very meta. It feels like it's Alex Hirsch going, this is just the beginning. Here we go into season 2. And cuz this is a change, you know, a lot of things changed in this episode. Uh the kids have let Stan in on journals. We now know that Stan has had the first journal the whole time. We got to see a little bit of this and everything changes. And the main
1: villain is in jail.
0: So the main, the main villain... point
1: of the main point of conflict is gone, which means probably the next po- the new point of conflict is going to be um triangle guy
0: oh bill cypher
1: bill cypher yes
0: that was actually a question i was about to ask you um now that gideon's in jail who do you think that the villain will be
1: yeah no bill cypher is a level up so they brought get get into a a level and bill cypher is evil gideon was like pretty evil he's psychotic psych psychopathic sociopathic evil
0: but he's
1: but, human evil. Yeah, he's not a supernatural creature that that transcends space and time that like knows everything about everybody or whatever. At least lets lets on that he that he might be like that. So yeah, it, it, it ups the level. It makes Gideon child's play, and in the end, Gideon was child's literally child's play, <laughs> pubo play <laughs> to to defeat. They basically just had to try. It wasn't, uh, you know, they just had to not let themselves be dispirited. And then it was just like, oh, yeah, I can just beat up Gideon pretty easily.
0: So, and, so on that note, um, if you if you think that Bill is the next villain, what do you think Bill's plan is? Do you have any idea or just you need more?
1: It's got to be something beyond Gravity Falls. He has to be using some property of Gravity Falls. The thing is, it's implied that and this is where we get into the weird. So the bill cipher if if you're a creature like bill cipher that's getting sucked out of another dimension you're not you're not living live linear time like us it's it, it, yeah, bendu was kind of similar to that but a more a more just sort of organic version of it so you know maybe there's some sort of confluence there that he has to do something in order to do something more on a on a cosmic scale
0: bindu for non-star wars people um he's this creature in star wars that's um the middle ground of the force and he's just kind of the rock in the stream he's not light side he's not dark side he's just kind of there and just part of the force so he's kind of this extra cosmic being. So for
1: Yeah, and his his for, uh, for you know he's, he's got God God-like where where any, you know, motivations and stuff. Bill Cypher isn't trying to get the gold in Fort Knox or take over the United States or take over the world. Something like I you know, I'm going to be ruler of the world. It's it's something more abstract than that because he's more of he's an abstract being. He's a symbol. <laughs> He's nothing like a, a human being. At, at least all the characters are like based upon something in that you have a basis for in reality, at least for the characters in there. You know, you have gnomes and stuff. You know, people know what gnomes are and manators. I will it's, say, have, I like, have, like that. Bill Ablohita, Seifert, oh, go ahead. I
0: was about to say, I like that uh, Abloita has fake gnomes in her yard.
1: Right, lawn gnomes. Maybe yeah. there's like scarecrows that keep away the real gnomes, scare gnomes. But yeah, Bill, Bill Cipher is like an abstraction. <laughs> he's, you know, he's just he's he's just an idea and shapes and symbols that that symbolize himself rather than because nobody's gonna. The closest thing that humans are gonna be to understanding him is a is a uh, triangle with a top hat.
0: But. But, oh, yeah, I think looks-
1: that we're going into that level. I, I'm sure we'll have a few just monster episodes and stuff, but I think they're all going to tie into a larger larger theme.
0: Mm. But that's all I had for Gideon Rising. Do you have anything else? No. All right. So. On oh, to the yes, next I part. do. Yes, I do. Oh, were they burning
1: yeah. one of Gideon's wigs at the end? Is that what was burning in the fireplace? Just a... <sighs> At the very end, they're sitting in, and you see in the fireplace and it sort of looks like whatever's in there is the shape of Gideon's hair. And I'm like, is Gideon wearing wigs? Are they like burning a Gideon wig and using those to keep the shack warm? He, he,
0: doesn't, he doesn't wear wigs. I honestly don't know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, at, <laughs> the, and at the, the, the end, they're just sitting around. They're, they're sitting around the fireplace and... You look in there and usually you would see logs and it's just sort of this white thing in the shape of Gideon's wig burning and, you know, in the, but there's no detail to it. It's just like a the white outline of his wig with flames around it. So I was like, are they like burning Gide- Gideon's wig? Oh, heads?
0: my God, it is a wig. I pulled up the gallery. Yeah. Uh, apparently Gideon wears wigs, guys. I've oh. never noticed this before. It's his suit and it's, a wig. It's
1: oh. not very clear. That's why I was asking the question. I was like, usually they, they they like, land the gag. And I was like, it didn't quite land because it just sort of... I had to go back and I'm like, yeah, maybe they're trying to say they're burning his wig. But it wasn't, like, made clear enough, I think. But, yeah, okay. I,
0: oh, man, yeah. I, uh, I've always paid attention to Mabel with Waddles being reunited. I've never once noticed that that was... Oh my God, Gideon wears wigs. <laughs> Holy cow! What
1: well, I guess he... we don't see ever see Gideon without a wig, which would be hilarious.
0: That would be now, because now I want to see him without a wig, Chris. <laughs> oh my find, God!
1: Find some Gravity Falls fans who are artists.
0: Oh!
1: All you have to do is tell them. Did you know Gideon wears wigs? And somebody will draw it for it.
0: Oh, man, I am just...
1: There was a time where you could just go to Tumblr and put in Gideon Wig. (laughs) Gideon without Wig, and it would probably pop up.
0: (laughs) I'm shooketh. (laughs) I'm shaken by this. (laughs) Well, I miss
1: some stuff, and I catch some stuff.
0: Apparently. you, You caught something that I've never noticed in, like, the hundreds of times I've watched this episode. Yeah. Well, did you have anything else? I do not. All right. So we're going to move on to reading from the journal. I'm actually going to read two entries. The first one's fun and the other one's from uh, the actual episode. So they were talking about how Dipper mentions this and then Stan holds it up at the end when he's laughing at Dipper about the journal. But he holds up a picture of squash with human face and emotions. Mm -hmm. And so there's an entry about that. Um, It's from the point of the author. Under the title, it says, he is gorgeous. But I can't read the first paragraph because of spoilers, but all I will say is the author got this as a gift. That's all I can say about it. So, squash with human faces and emotions. He is gorgeous. I kept it on a shelf in the lab out of politeness because he got it as a gift and tried to forget all about it. But I could swear the gourd has been making moaning sounds while I work. Its expression changes on a daily basis, and it seems to be growing something resembling an arm out of its back. Politeness or not, I'm throwing this thing out. <laughs> and it says, seeds with warts, are these his future generations? Onto the actual part. So this is about the Gideon bot, and this is from the point of view of Dipper. And so here we go. Oh my gosh, I am still catching my breath from the whirlwind adventure of the past few days. Gideon almost beat us, but then he screwed it all up in true supervillain style with a giant robot. Mabel called it the Chubtron Loser Droid 1000, but I called it the Gideon Bot. Finally, a version of Gideon as big as his ego. Gideon controlled it from the inside of his head. He wore this stupid black, skin-tight onesie covered with ping-pong balls. What's with the glowing cheeks? Is this robot wearing makeup? Who does he think he is fooling around with that patriotic flag pin? The only thing Gideon is loyal to is Gideon and Little Sweetkin's baby brand cologne. The robot version is even more roly-poly than the real Gideon. Why wouldn't you make yourself look more buff, dude? McGucket built it, and I guess he'll invent stuff for anyone who's willing to hang out with him. Still, I can't tell if McGucket's a good guy or a bad guy. Gideon Bot's weakness? Punching, bravery, and Mabel's grappling hook. Everything's back to normal now. Actually, it's better than normal. Gideon's in jail, and everyone is in love with the Pines family. We were even interviewed by Chandra Jimenez on Good Morning Gravity Falls. Stan spent the whole time stealing shrimp from the craft service tables everyone seems happy. Everyone but me. Half the summer has gone, and I'm no closer to figuring out the biggest mystery of Gravity Falls. Gideon wanted this journal so badly that he risked everything to get it. Why? I have no idea. He asked about journal number one. From what I've read, there are two more journals, but where are they? I have no idea. What happened to the author? Is he still alive? Why are so many pages burned and ruined in this book? I have no idea. And I'm running out of time to figure this out. No more fooling around. If I'm ever going to get to the bottom of all this, I need to find out what happened to the author. Time to get serious. Right here, right now. Well, right after we have a grand reopening after party, I wonder what Wendy's going to wear. And that is the entry from the journal this week.
1: I forgot about the reporter. I, I I I forgot to note that I love the that she used the word local shyster. I love <laughs> the word shyster.
0: At the moment I heard that, I was like, "He's gonna love that line."
1: I've always loved shyster because I don't. I I just remember having a friend who was like, "Did you know that Scheiße means shit in German?" So, shyster always sounded like, you know, someone who is shifty and then then shit in it. So, it always had an extra, like, bullshit. And it just is a great sounding word. It's one of my favorite words.
0: (laughs) All right, Chris. We finished season one. Hit me with your speculation and theories.
1: You know, I, I gave you a couple possibilities of what going on with stan but i think stan has a lodge i think you know with his with his hat he's a member of a lodge and we're going to finally get to meet we're going to get to see a lodge meeting at some point point. and at first i thought it was going to be some sort of like secret society well a lot you know it, it probably is some sort of secret society but i thought it was going to be some sort of like government or worldwide sort of thing but I'm betting it's made up of we're going to see a lot of the members of the town, you know, who are actually secret members of his lodge. And we're going to have some meeting. With, he does say up, in
0: Legend of the Gobble Locker that the guys don't like fishing with him anymore.
1: Right, right. And and yeah, it's going to be some sort of Elks Club type of, of the local people, you know, to protect the secret of of that. And and, the, and we're going to and like... Maybe, maybe we'll even have a gag where McGucket's there and all of a sudden he's very like, gentlemen, we've all played our roles quite well. But now is the time to close in uh, you know, the dimensional door or open the dimensional door, whatever the hell they have to do. But like I have a feeling we're going to get a lodge meeting with, with surprise members of the town who secretly are in on that. And they're just like, and they probably ha- they hate Stan over something, whatever the last thing that happened that probably sent the three books separated.
0: What do you think the machine is the machine in the basement?
1: Oh, it's some sort of it's yeah. It's some sort of machine to open up a dimension or close a dimension or to somehow manipulate reality. Obviously it's all geometric shapes and and lights. I mean, it totally looks like it could be a until the eighties, it wasn't, but not, since the 80s, it's become a um, science fiction horror supernatural trope. You know, the opening up, there there was, um, oh, what the hell was that movie that, that um, they even made a series about where they had the, the um, portal to other planets and stuff.
0: Isn't and, that uh, a show like Quantum Leap?
1: Well, Quantum Leap was somebody jumping from body to body.
0: Oh, okay. But,
1: but, but I can't remember the name of it. It was a Kurt Russell science fiction movie. It was a TV show for a long time. but like portals like um, what call the big big hit show with the kids, uh, Stranger things ah. had had one, you know the the government, the, uh, like like that aforementioned Halloween three. there's 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 a lot a lot of them these days. Mm-hmm. And it used to be it used to be a pentagram. You would make a pentagram or draw some sort of like supernatural symbol on the wall, and that would open up the gate to the. But this is a more like combination of of supernatural and the technological. You know, they, they have to have so many kilowatts of electricity in order to get it going and align the books into the proper shape or whatever.
0: You mentioned a few minutes ago that you think Bill is going to be the. That guy going forward. What do you think Bill's plan
1: is? I have or no you... idea. Okay, there's, there's that's the, fine. Yeah, that's the thing. He's a cipher, so I have to see more to to do it. It's a very good chance that like it's gonna turn out probably that Bill was responsible in some sort of way for you know he. Pro- I'm guessing Bill probably gave the guy his uh, his gourd with a human face and has just been manipulating everything over time to get a certain thing that is either destined to happen or is in some point where there is no destiny so that he's trying to manipulate To you, you have to have something like that in order for it to have some sort of uh, there, there has to be some sort of guesswork as to how it'll turn out so if he's he's not filling out some sort of time loop
0: Do or, you fulfilling think
1: this is... some, or maybe he is or maybe you know Bill Cipher could be a good character in the end who has to who has to be like a who seems like an evil character because we don't understand what he's doing
0: do you think this is the last that we're going to see gideon
1: no probably not no
0: and where do you think the kids fit in where do you think dipper and mabel fit into this whole thing
1: well they're obviously they're obviously part of whatever's whatever's going on just by their location and their association with with um stan and now their association with with bill cypher Bill Cipher is on them now. You know, I'm watching you, and he's he's gotten onto their radar from them poking around.
0: And he even gives them nicknames: Pine Tree, Shooting Star, Question. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. Any other theories or speculations?
1: No, not at cool. this point. I mean, I could. You, I, it's one of those things. It's it's one of those things where you could branch out in so many different directions that I could sit here all night, like naming possibilities of what's happening there.
0: Mm-hmm
1: because it's set up for almost anything
0: do you see now why we were like what do you mean there's a year till season two <laughs> like people were pouring yeah. back over the episodes over yeah, and sucks. over and over again
1: that's why i didn't start watching breaking bad to like season five or something like that
0: mm-hmm. i actually uh didn't watch game of thrones until the between the the penultimate in the final season. Yeah. That's when I binge Game of Thrones. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, watching all Game of Thrones in a sitting is a. It, we, we, we covered it in about four four ish months, and it's it's a it's a trip. I,
1: <laughs> it's fu- a I I started Game of Thrones from from like like midway through. I started like when the first season was midway through. Just to check it out, and I'm like, I'll just check out the first episode, and that was a big mistake because I got sucked into it, and I caught up to it in no time at all, and then it was lots of waiting.
0: Yep, yep. Probably the most unique experience that I had was before I started watching it. My coworker Alicia at the comic book store. Every we we worked together every Tuesday. Um, I had Mondays off because that was my day to podcast with Chris. And so she would come in, and she was just like, I just want to talk about Game of Thrones. And I'm like, you can talk yep. to me. I don't know what you're going to be talking about, but you can talk at me about it. So she would just, like, go into detail of all the episodes. So I had, like, in my head what all these episodes looked like in my head. So it was really fun going and actually seeing the actual episodes and, like, having things click together, being like, oh, this is what Alicia was talking about. Like, when she – I forgot – Which episode is? but it's like when Jon Snow and Tormund and all them, and they're in the island in the middle of a frozen lake and all the White Walkers are surrounding them. um, And they're pretty much having to wait it out until Daenerys comes and saves them. Like, it was very different in my head. So actually watching that episode, just seeing how it all played out, I was like, oh, okay, I see what, because it was much more grand. And because, you know, the imagination can do anything. So it was very interesting going through Game of Thrones. With, in my head versus actually watching it. Anyway, so for the next part, um, it's our cypher corner and connections to previous episodes. There is one connection to a previous episode. In the episode Little Dipper, Gideon mentions that the mystery shack is housing a powerful secret, a reference to his belief that journal number one is buried somewhere on the property. It is then revealed in this episode that he was in fact correct and journal one, number one was hidden in the basement of the mystery shack this whole time. And then here's the thing. There there are several ciphers in this corner. I've actually already deleted one because I have determined that it was too much of a spoiler for Chris. But this is a new thing. Uh, going into season two, they start doing their ciphers differently. And some of the ciphers are hidden in plain sight. Um, they're either, like, mixed into signs or they're hidden on, like, trees or woods or um, or on pipes, as we're about to read. This one's on a pipe. So, it's set up in this episode of Precedence going forward that we are now going to start getting multiple ciphers in an episode. And some of them are just mixed in. Sometimes they're on newspapers, sometimes they're in books. It, it creates a new thing going forward. So, it's cool. There are four ciphers. I'm only reading three. The first one is when Stan points to the page in journal number three for Squash with a Human Face and Emotions, there's a code on that page that reads Don't eat him. I thought that one was
1: funny. Way too obvious is that you don't eat squash with human
0: face and emotions. (laughs) I know. (laughs) In the final scene of the episode, Sue shoots Dipper and Mabel with water guns and then they run out of the room. And then we get the shot that pans down to that evening with Stan going through the vending machines. In that pan down shot, you see between the floors, a series of pipes, just like normal plumbing in a wall And on one of the pipes, there is carved into it, Bill is watching. It's such a quick thing, but it's a (laughs) cipher. And finally, and I'm going to set you up a little bit on this one, Chris. At the end of every episode, there's a cryptogram. And once this one is deciphered, it reads, search for the blind eye. Here's where I'm setting you up. So back in A Rational Treasure, when Quentin Trimbley, the eight and a half president, gives Dipper... A negative $12 bill There is a cipher on the $12 bill And once it was decoded Remember it read the word Blind And now we have this cipher that says Search for the blind eye Thoughts
1: It's going to be not an eye eye It's going to be like a potato eye Or the eye of a (sighs) hurricane Or something that's that's Called an eye that isn't an actual eye Because it doesn't see That's what I get from that Okay it could be it could it could be a lot of different things. It could be the eye of a needle, eye of the storm. We'll see. But I'll be looking for something that's not a, not an eye. I'll, although Dan's got his eye patch, there's that too. So it could be one of Stan's eyes. Although it's determined that Stan's <laughs> not really blind in an eye.
0: Okay, cool, cool, cool. I just wanted to see your thoughts. So, you know whose thoughts I also enjoy.
1: Your sponsors,
0: my patrons, those two—sort
1: <laughs> of the same thing.
0: Yeah, they are very much the same thing. I want to take a second to thank my lovely patrons. Hi, guys! I love you. Thanks for sticking with me and being here and being sweet. And I love you all. So I want to take a moment to thank Kate, Jean, Alex, Brian, Bree, Heather. Patrick, Billy, and Len. Yay! Your support means the world to me, you guys. I love you so much. You know how much I just adore each and every one of you. And I just, I can't thank you enough. Thank you for being here, for supporting the show, and just being just amazing people, part of my life. You mean the world to me. So thank you so, 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 so much. So. All right, Chris. What are your final thoughts of the episode? Great
1: episode. It's It's setting it up Sort of where I was expecting this to start at the beginning, so it's now becoming more of the show that I thought that it was from its from descriptions of people who I've obviously seen both seasons. but now we're where I like to be where things are gonna get weird. yeah things are g- gonna get a little more cohesive cohesively weird through the whole thing.
0: And there is a tone shift for season two yeah um,
1: I'm, I'm I'm ready for Kitty Twin Peaks.
0: Basically. (laughs) This is such a great finale. It takes all the character work up to this point and just turns it up to 20. The story is so good. But that final scene, you guys, with Stan in the basement, that final scene is just so good. So good. Love it. Little housekeeping notes of what we're going to be doing going forward. So next week, one, two... Three, for you four of my patrons are familiar with this uh format so next week we're going to be doing a season one wrap-up show um we'll talk about like our favorite episodes we'll i'm not gonna write questions for each other that's a lot of work that i don't want to do but it's gonna be a similar like format where we take a look back at season one and we talk about like characters and stories and favorite episodes and stuff and then the week after that we're going to be doing a special of Chris Makes Hope Watch Cartoons and we're going to be what, what are we going to be watching in that one Chris?
1: We are going to watch the magnum opus of one of my favorite cartoonists and since our podcast company Two True Freaks is owned by the, the fictional satirical company of Demanzo depends on what what day it is but it's something to do with dimanzo (laughs) variations of dimanzo and it's an italian company love the italian stuff so this is bruno bozzetto is one of my favorite cartoonists and this was his version of fantasia basically done just by him directed and animated by him So it's classical music, animation set to, you know, famous classical pieces.
0: It is more mature. There's nudity in case there's any young ones looking like, oh, let me see what they're talking about. There's There's nudity,
1: nudity, but it's very, there's nudity in Fantasia too. There are some naked sprites and stuff. And and the nudity in this is of the, the sort of classical art, just like, it's very European
0: but I, I don't want somebody to like be like, oh, Fantasia, let me sit down with my child. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's it's
1: an it's 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 an adult. I don't like to say it's an adult version of Fantasia because it makes it sound like it's X-rated, and it's not. It's it's but it's u- very European. So so they're not afraid to have a little nudity, and adult themes, and there's themes of war and violence and and such, and religious themes. And also, just a part that, like, not like the kiddies wouldn't, you don't want the kiddies to see it, but there's, um, in between all the segments are live action sequences of the animator and, you know, the conductor of the orchestra and the orchestra and stuff. And it's very, like, European satire, which kids would probably be just like, what? I don't want to see this. (laughs) And you know a lot of like old silent film jokes and stuff like that so yeah it's not as there's there are there are sequences in this that would delight kids and engage kids but it's not a kid's cartoon and
0: and one more time what's What's the
1: name of it, just in case? Oh, I, I, well, not even one more time, because I never even said it. I was I'm about to say, finished.
0: I'm like, did you? Did I just, like, mishear it? <laughs> it's
1: called Allegro Non Tropo, which means fast, not slow. It's it's one of my favorite movies of all time, much I'm, less one of my favorite animated movies. I'm Probably so my favorite true. animated movie.
0: I'm so excited to watch this. Um, We're going to be talking about that. So next week is season one wrap-up. The week after I'm that will be very Chris.
1: excited to see what Hope thinks about this movie because it's from another t- it's it's of another time period. At the same time it's kinda universal, but it's also very atypical of the kind of animation that we've talked about in all the years we've been talking about animation.
0: Yeah. Next week's season one wrap-up. The week after that will be Chris Makes Hope watch a cartoon special. And then after that, we're gonna be doing the 17 Gravity Fall shorts. That came out between season one and season two. They're all on Disney Plus. They're also very easy to find on YouTube. I found, Chris, I will send you a playlist on YouTube that has them all. Um, And so we'll be doing that. And then we'll be starting season two after that. So I'm excited. I am excited to get in season two as well. I think you're going to really, really like it.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: I'm, Yeah. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm very excited to be looking at this show in a completely different way than I'm used to looking at it.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a good way to phrase it. <laughs> all right, Chris. Well, where can people find you?
1: You can find me at 2TrueFreaks.com. That's where all of the 2 True Freaks podcasts live. Tons and tons of them, including one I do with Hope called J Guys and Jedi, another animation podcast, but it's all... So far, pretty much Dave Filoni Star Wars animation. So there's Clone Wars. We did all of Clone Wars. Did all of Rebels. We're actually actually just finishing up the Refinishing finishing up of Clone Wars, and then we'll be moving on to Resistance. And you can also find me on Facebook where we have a Two True Freaks podcast page where we post all our web all our all our shows. And we have the True Freaks Cantina, which is sort of more of like a forum hangout spot. And that's pretty much it for me. Where can they find you? Oh, no. No, there's also True Freaks on Twitter. How could I forget? I was
0: right. like, I haven't sang yet. What are you run, doing?
1: Run run by Gene, Jean, Jean, the multifaceted acting machine.
0: Gene, Chris, tell them what Gene's doing cuz we talked he, about it on Jake Eyes and Jedi but we haven't oh, talked
1: yeah, about it still, we're 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 doing an audio drama with Gene Gene and just a, a support he'll be doing a lot of different he's just sort of our going to be our catch-all background actor voice in the audio drama a- adaptation of the very popular Terry Moore comic Strangers in Paradise Run by myself and the evil genius Thomas DJ is really the mastermind. He's the director, writer of the whole thing. And uh, very excited about that. Uh, we've got pretty much our whole cast for the first quote unquote season, first book of it. And uh, yeah, we're going to start recording it. And everybody's very talented and working together really well. So we've got people making music,
0: real You're doing actors. Sound effects. You're excited about I'm sound doing effects.
1: sound effects and all the mixing which is what I've I've really wanted to do that for like an audio drama so I'm very very excited to assemble an audio drama like a puzzle off a script with audio clips it's gonna be very exciting. It's our first real two True Freaks venture into audio drama and it's with a very popular and and exciting uh, story so that people are familiar with so i'm very excited and with the and with the permission of course of the author which is key to something like that
0: <laughs> is this going to be on two true freaks or is it what platform is this going to be on
1: well there's been a lot of quite i was talking to thomas the other day and and he was like well i thought we were putting it on two true freaks so it, it probably is going to be on two true freaks but it, i'm imagining it will probably be on other formats also okay so yeah, it'll be easily available. You'll definitely since I'm working on it, you'll definitely know how to get it through mm. here if you're interested.
0: And of course, like once it starts like airing, your world can be like, My thing is up. Look yep. at mine and Jean's thing.
1: Yep, you can get it here. Don't
0: take that out of context.
1: I have I, I have a fantasy <laughs> that if it, if it's really good and the artist likes it. <laughs> that we should probably put it up in some sort of where you know nobody can get paid for this cuz we're doing a we're doing copyrighted material but if it's really good and it's something a lot of people are going to be interested in and stuff it might be nice to put it up on a patreon that goes towards a charity that that the you know we you know you it's not whatever 50 cents 99 cents an episode and it all goes to a charity of the authors terry moore's choice or something like that you know that might be a nice thing to do so
0: you know might not be the best format for that just um because they do take out fees and stuff
1: yeah that's just the only one i know you know yeah or or some sort of some sort of thing where it comes out uh, you know where it comes out early on that but it probably probably is going to end up living on on two true freaks
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe we could set up like a like a donation of some kind or
1: something, you know? Yeah, I mean, but I mean, something
0: like Kickstarter. Uh, if you don't meet the goal, then all the money goes back. So I'm definitely looking at that. There's different. Yeah. <laughs> Hell, honestly, there, there's uh,
1: got to be some format somewhere where you I can mean, put something up for for a charity. This you last know, there...
0: weekend at Dragon Con, um, part of the Star Wars track, there's a really awesome kid called the Chess Jawa. And it's just this guy, this kid who dresses like a Jawa and he plays chess all weekend and, and takes donations for Make-A-Wish. Um, but of course with COVID DragonCon was cancelled. So he did digital chess this week uh, this weekend. And all he did was like, here's my PayPal that I set up and people could just donate to his PayPal and then he took that money and he gave it to Make-A-Wish. And yeah. It was super simple. Yeah,
1: I, and I'm sure there's there's gotta be platforms set up to do mm-hmm. just that, to, to feed a charity, you know, if you want to. So, yeah. Well, we'll we'll figure that out when we're we're in we're in production. I think we're going to do the thing where we produce a whole se- season at a time mm-hmm. and then release it and then we can work on the next season while the first season's in release. Like a real like a real drama. I, so think cool. gonna, I think we're going to I think we're going to sort of have to do that in order for it to like be for the workload to work. I'm very, i very. I have a whole notebook all set aside for it, for each episode, and which sound effects I'm gonna need, and which musical cues, and which actors and actresses are gonna be in it.
0: That's so cool.
1: Just like a real production.
0: That's so cool, Chris. I'm so proud of you, and I'm so excited for you and Gene.
1: Gene it's funny because Gene is like a minor player. He's just like I'd like to help, and 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 he and he wanted to do like background. But Thomas did an announcement, you know, of, of the two, the, the two leads are, are women and that, you know, they're going to carry the whole thing. They're the focus of the whole thing. So that was the key thing. The cast was two women who were like really into doing it, who had good chemistry together and all that. So he announced the two women and some of the other cast. But when, when he put up the announcement, it's just a big picture of Jean's face. So I had no idea that Gene was attached to this. So, I, I'm, he's, uh, you know, Thomas puts up the announcement and says, our two leads, we found our two leads. And instead of, like, a picture of two women, there's Gene. <laughs> I'm like, how did Gene get into this? And it turns out, yep.
0: <laughs> well, I'm super excited for you guys. So.
1: Yes. But where can they find you, Hope?
0: Well, of course, this is the animation podcast for GeekygirlsFans.com. You can see all my writing and my reviews over there. Yeah, so you can go check me out over there. I have my own Patreon, which is patreon.com slash geekygirlexperience. And, of course, I think my lovely Patreons every episode. And you can find me at Topamallinax on Twitter. And as Chris said, we have a Star Wars podcast called J Guys and Jedi. And I run the Twitter account for that, too. And it's at jguysandjedi.com. All right, Chris. Season one's in the bag. Yeah 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 (laughs) normally this is the part would be like you want to see next week's episode title but next week's episode is going to be a season one recap no i'm not doing a rex or Callus volution (gasps) you should do a volution
1: a stan volution
0: oh my god is that is that possible my brain just exploded a little bit
1: it's possible. I don't know if it would be as long as the Rex I could, I could probably uh, piece piece something together.
0: Honestly, what I do uh, is I just pull up an episode list and then I just start going from memory. I don't. I very rarely write things out. Um, I had to write stuff out for season four of Rebels. By the way, let me explain for anybody who doesn't listen to Jake and and Jedi. Um, in our season recaps of Star Wars episodes um, of Star Wars seasons. Um, what I I I have favorite characters in in Clone Wars, it was Rex, and for Star and for Rebels, it was Callus, and I would recap the entire series from their personal point of view, and I would add like all sorts of commentary, like like my favorite ship with Callus is another man named Zeb, and so I would like make up their romantic dates during all this, like it, it was yeah, just she would fun. she would
1: recap the season from their point of view.
0: Yeah, so, so
1: so I would ba- basically be recapping the season a, a doing a season recap from the point of view of Stan
0: and they would be like some and you would have like the ability to add commentary and stuff like that um I won't hold you to it but if you wanted to do a stan volution I certainly will not say no you c-
1: certainly would be into it
0: i I always sweat during the. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be the one to be like yes let me sit back and make a sandwich let this me go. Time. well
1: I'm a much in this I run into this in every podcast I am way more of a terse writer than all of my podcast partners of uh, over the last 12 years or 13 years or however many years it's been decade-ish I'm a, I'm, I'm a much more I'm a much more like how can I dilute this down into like an entry in you know a, a guidebook or something like that, while at the same time inserting comedy? So it would be a, it would be a different experience than a Rex But I kind of like the idea of it. We'll talk a little after the show.
0: We'll figure it out. There there may not may or may not be a Stanvolution next week, so we'll we'll see. So I can just hear like gene brian heather and patrick just being like do it chris <laughs> because they know <laughs> no, what i'm talking we're, about we're, let 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 them sweat all right guys well, we'll see you next week
1: leave them with a mystery
0: <gasps> a mystery the greatest mystery of all in gravity falls
1: and you find Ooh. out next week will he do the stay in volution?
0: all right bye you guys
1: grunk volution
0: <gasps> <The Grunkvolution. laughs> The Grunko-Volution. Hey guys, did you know that you are actually two months behind on Hope Makes Chris Watch cartoons? My patrons over on Patreon have access to more episodes of this show as well as behind-the-scene content. Patreon is a great way for you to support this podcast and my website, Geeky Girl Experience, with multiple tiers of content that you can choose from. If you become a patron, you'll get your name shouted out in the episodes, as well as my never-ending gratitude. You can sign up today at www.patreon.com geekygirlexperience. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time, and I love you guys. Bye!